Oh, oh, I see. I see it works now. Well, uh, let me tell you, I'm just going to start the music and uh, I'm going to sit here silently and protest until we can get back to the start. I'm not doing the intro again. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Those of you who, who didn't participate in the aborted attempt previous don't know what I'm talking about. So, uh, so just make believe I didn't say anything. And Mr. Rini, uh, I, I will have that thing finished for you this week. Yeah, 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 yeah. You are now about to witness, yeah, 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 yeah. The awesome crushing my, yeah, 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 of the Eugene S. Robinson. I just spent 15 minutes of my life messing with YouTube. If I was a richer man, I would smash everything I own, but I'm not. So instead I internalize it, I'll get an ulcer and die. That's what will happen. But welcome to 153, V153, take two, the UGS Robinson Showstopper. Here we go. That's a baby. <laughs> oh, look, I got a light that keeps going off every two seconds. And we're back. Yeah, I've done it. I've done all the commercial stuff. I'm just going to get into the show. This is Stigmata. In case you did not know, the record is called Calling of the Just. Ah. Song is called Intro All of Nothing. Yeah, man. I'm sure you know it's available for me anytime you want to buy one. How about that? Yeah, she's awake because I'm talking loud. And now I got the dead mouth again. Don't worry, I'll move this in a second. There we go. Then a bunch of stuff uh, about Bob Riley, Stigmata, Huntington Beach, getting shot to death in a nightclub. I could not see so clear. I'm taking a real good look at you. Taking a real good look at your face. Or being paid back in full, always nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, oh, so let me tell you what happened. And, and then I'm going to get into the show because uh, many of you already know. If you don't know, what happened is the phone went out, then YouTube went out. And then this light ring light that I bought with the money you guys so kindly donate through Patreon.com uh, slash the Stomper or Stomperville, I can never remember which, or Pinko95014 at Yahoo.com. Or you do it the old-fashioned way, the way Tommy, Tommy LB does, and it comes in uh, through the mail. Thank you. I bought a ring light, but the ring light only stays lit like every two seconds. So we got the strobe effect. Everything's gone wrong with show one of five, three that could have gone wrong. But what went right is I got out the newsletter this week. The uh, look what look what you made me do. It's uh, five easy pieces, bigger black with Steve Albini, 
five questions that have nothing to do with what the person is famous for. I got, I've asked a lot of people. I got some surprising folks coming up. Not right away. That's not going to be a, a normal feature, but it'll be a repeated feature. So um, if you want to talk to Albin, has got a whole internet full of talk about music. We're talking about other stuff. We talk about a whole Joe game. Well, we don't. He does. So I think you might, I think you might dig it. And I, I'm really hoping my next one comes through because these are people who all have existed in the, in the personal space, but everybody asks them the same questions. And it's like, I, I, I've read these interviews. If there are people I'm interested in, ask about that. Ask about that. Don't be so cool that you can't ask about that. Don't be so cool and limited, right? So everything else that people have asked about that you could be cool about, because you're not talking about, if you're talking to an actor, not going to talk about acting. So you can't even address that stuff anyway. So uh, check it out. Sign up for the newsletter. Send it to people. Do whatever. And if you want to pay the little few pennies you can to do it, I appreciate that. That'll be cool. Anyway, here we go on the show. Goodfellas. So I watched the fights last night. And then uh, the wife and I were watching some of the uh, 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 some stand-up comedy on on uh, on uh, the, the, the the Netflix, and uh, and then she goes to bed because the kid starts to wake up, and then I'm I'm left. To, I said, "Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll watch the last little bit of, of Goodfellas." And so I watch the last thirty minutes. Now, if you read my novel, A Long Slow Screw, which is the name of my novel. It's still available from Amazon.com. I suggest you buy it. It's uh, If you read French, it's in French. Pata Nostra coming out in Italian. I don't know when the hell that's going to happen, but they paid me for it already, so it's really up to them. Uh, um, but it's about a jewelry heist in New York in the 70s and how that all spools out. And as some of you who have read enough interviews with me know that uh, I used to work out in this gym with, um, you know, where I picked up a lot of these stories and said, well, I can't, I'm not going to write a nonfiction. Just make it fiction. Nobody gets in trouble. Nobody gets hurt. And uh, I, I don't get uh, stitches for being a snitch. Perfect. So that's what we do. But I'm watching Goodfellas and, I, and I'm starting to have this real disconnect, right? Because I, I was born in Queens, grew up in Ozone Park. JFK. I knew a lot of these cats. Let me give you an example of, of, of the grift and the graft that was happening out at JFK. And keep in mind, I'm not going to be stupid enough to say it's mob connected, but if, if something happens in my house, you can be pretty damn sure it's Eugene connected, right? So you understand what I'm saying. So and some of you have, you can't Donna Shalala me on my own show. Some of you heard the story before. Don't ruin it for everybody else. So JFK, the terminal, gets, uh, it's, uh, it's having problems in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the winter, back in the 70s. Um, this is after, after the heist, or maybe around the same time. And it's leaking. It's leaking like crazy. There's a lot of rain, snow melts. It leaks like crazy. They say it's the springtime, the snow is melting. The terminal, is, this is not a good look. You're rushing off to someplace. You don't want to be slipping on the marble floors. You don't want it. So they call a couple of roofing companies. Local roofing companies. The guy gets a contract, and he goes up to the roof and bids on it. 
$2.3 million. That's a number that sticks in my head. Give me a break. This is a long time ago, but we're talking the late 70s New York. $2.3 million. The guy dispatches a team. They patch the places where it leaked. And then they painted the roof. So if the roof at JFK is silver, right, to reflect the sun or white, white color or off gray or light gray, they, they bought as much paint as they needed and they dispatched the crew there to paint the roof. They put the patches down where the holes, where the water had leaked in the terminal, and then they painted everything. The guy comes, he looks at it, says, great. Gives him the $2.3 million. You got a 10-year warranty on this, buddy. Company disappears overnight. They don't discover it until, until the leaks are sprung. Now, they had a, like a pot on the roof, you know, an asphalt pot to generate the smell because people would what, ex- ex- expect the smell, but they weren't doing anything in that roof. They patched the eight places where it was leaking and painted it. $2.3 million, dissolved the company, and they're gone. I didn't read that in the paper. I heard guys talking about it. I eavesdropped on guys talking about it. And let me tell you, cats would show up, and I remember being really disappointed because one of the first mob movies I had seen was The Godfather. My great-grandmother took me to see it. The great, great, greatest thing ever was like the scene with Sonny uh, screwing the woman in the beginning. And I said, Grandma, what are they doing? That's how young I was when I first saw it. Now, you understand, when mob guys see, yeah, there was a lot of hesitancy at first that these Coppola were coming in, he was going to make this move, he was going to make it look bad. It did the exact opposite. It, it ennobled the enterprise. So that now you have life, you have life kind of uh, um, mm, uh, 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 Im- imitating, life imitating, uh, life imitating art. So now these cats that are telling these stories, these guys that I'm exposed to, the guys who are showing up in their Buick Rivieras, you know, with suits in the back, and I'm thinking like, what? The dissonance is there already, right? Like I'm like like you know, like I'm thinking Marlon Brando, but I see the guy in the sky blue Buick with the with the uh, curtain rod in the back and the suits hanging, selling fifty dollars, two hundred dollars suits. I'm thinking, hey, this is. I'm not thinking like this guy has a whole trick of them. This guy got them all for free. I'm not thinking any of that stuff. I'm sorry for the noise. They got the baby monitor here and it's it's turned up loud and I can't stop it. And the kid's trying to take a nap. So 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 I'm so right away there's a dissonance. And watching Goodfellas last night again, I start to think about the same dissonance, right? And I'm starting to think like, you know. I have to remind myself, people go, the best mob movie ever, because Henry Hill lived a long time afterward, and he was like talking to Howard Stern, all these different shows, talking about how, and you could see the guy, and he's talking about the movie, there's fun, love, and romp, and yeah, okay. It shouldn't be a surprise to you, but it is that the movie... The movie transports you into a place in such a way as it designifies the actions and emphasizes the actors. Okay, 
Now, if you if you had met any of these guys in person, Tommy D. Simone or uh, 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 Jimmy Conway, Jimmy the Gent, Paul uh, Paulie uh, Vario. Yeah, there goes the ring light. There was a there was a, the the very real cats. Based on on my cursory teenage uh, exposure out in <laughs> out in Ridgewood, the cats were ter- their realness was terrifying. And like last week, or who? What show was it? Oh, maybe I don't remember what, even what show it was. Maybe last week's show when I was talking about Larry Flint and uh, and uh, uh, his bodyguards. There's there, there's something about real people who do terrible things that makes them doubly terrifying. And but then you then at this point now I'm kind of bouncing back and forth between fiction, reality, reality, fiction, and I'm trying to make sense of it all. And then I'm looking at De Niro in Goodfellas, and I'm going, wait, 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 wait. He didn't comb his hair before that camera started rolling. He had somebody comb his hair. Not only did he have somebody comb his hair, but he had somebody who was, uh, who was, what, what do you, what, 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 um, yeah, okay. Yeah, thank you, man. And he had somebody who was not just a hairdresser, but like the top, one of the best. You know, before those cameras start rolling, De Niro didn't just shave. He had somebody shave him, somebody to do his makeup. Not just anybody, probably the best. And we could go down the line from the suit. Um, yeah, that's right. From the suits to 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 the ties to everything. High-paid, well-paid professionals outfit kitted these cats out, and they came. And once you start. If, if you have the slightest kind of understanding of the real cats, and then you look at the actor cats, you go, oh, I, these guys are just play acting. From something as simple as a scene where they're beating Billy Bats, if you've ever stomped anybody in the midst of a fight, you know, De Niro's a great actor. But that was an acting stomp, right? Like if you've ever stomped somebody for real, it, it's just fundamentally different. <laughs> How do you like this fucking light, right? How do you like this light? I'm gonna send it back. I'm gonna send it back. Whatever. It's not supposed to be doing this. So and I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. I, it, it seems like it seems obvious that it seems obvious that we should understand that this is, you know, good. It's a movie. It's a movie. You know, Pesci was tiny. The real Tommy D. Simone was real big. Real Tommy D. Simone just shot a guy on the sidewalk just to show his show off his new gun. He actually killed Billy Bats because Billy Bats had gotten out of prison and wanted his territory back. It's only re- it's only reasonable. He actually killed Spider because well, the boss liked Spider better. Spider wasn't just a bum; he was an earner. They loved earners. They shot him. It was it was professional jealousy. I guess what I'm saying is that in in the fantasyist using the power of image projection in motion pictures have, have created a reality that sits outside of reality 
that replaces that reality, which is fine. We all at a base level really understand that, right? But then you turn back and you look at, at somebody like Jimmy Conway, Jimmy the Gent, and these real guys, and, and you got to know if you're like, I've talked about this in some of the pieces I've written before. Sorry, with the disco light. Uh, some of these pieces I've written before, like when I almost got, uh, God rest his soul, Steve Tawson. San Jose Hell's Angel. My first thing was like, look at that guy. Look at look, it looks like Simon LeBon. I guess they give those vests out to anybody these days. And the 300 pound guy who later introduced us, one of the toughest guys I know, all the color drained from his face. He was like, no, 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 let me introduce you. I mean, because why? I just, uh, and when he turned to look at me and his, our eyes met, I understood completely what he meant. Not the movies. Right, Sam and Laban, the medium by which we understand each other, it becomes filmic and cinematic and we talk about each other, but you're in the face-to-face, TV tiger. I'll tell you God's honest truth, it struck me at odd points during my entire life. The first time I met a moose in person. As a city kid, you see a moose and what it's like a cartoon moose, it's bullwinkle. I have never seen an animal up close in in the wild, that was that big. Oh, yeah, you see the elephants in the circus and in, in the zoo when you're a kid in Brooklyn. Yeah, the elephant, fuck the elephant, fuck the fucking elephant. The moose, I, we stopped in Montana, dropped down into a a, 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 a a stream to drink some water before I knew about cryptosporidium. I look across and there's a moose, huge, bigger than a truck. So, so our understanding, you know, there was a, there was a, there was a street, a street gun battle about a hundred yards from here, right out front of my house. Car skidded by, shot at some guys. The guys ran after him, shot at him. I'm standing in the doorway with a gun. It's at one point, my kid went to a funeral and uh, of a, a friend of hers who, who died, well, a friend of ours who died, and there was gunfire at the funeral. And she's like, as I was so glad, so proud of my kids who are not street smart at all. She, she heard the gunfire and everybody like hit the ground and she fights, she's like, ah. and she's standing behind a stop side pole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, standing by, between about a stop side pole. <laughs> like, like this is gonna this is gonna protect her, you know. And so I'm out in the doorway with a with a pistol, thinking that. It, but these guys are fired by the same kind of thing, right? It's the movies, or like the bad brain said. I guess you think you're in the movie somewhere. I guess you think you're in the movie somewhere. No, no, no. So, um, um, so oh, yeah, exactly. So, um, so you know. This disconnect is not something that we, 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 we make a big enough deal about. So let me get to Thomas Gunn. So Thomas Gunn was a San Francisco poet. I, I think he was a gay guy. He, he died uh, about 15 years ago. One of my favorite poets. He, he wrote this book called My Sad Captain, a collection of his po- uh, poems. And he was never part of the crew, right? Like he wasn't, somehow wasn't part of that whole Ferlinghetti, City Lights, uh, uh, Gregory Corso, all the cool guys. Who I've interviewed at odd times and have met, who have met before and talked about the show and interviews and so on. And Thomas Gunn was an interesting guy. Thomas Gunn um, actually was a fighter or fought. 
boxing, right? Because he, he, he was like in his 80s when he died. So back in the 60s and the 70s when all these cats were, you know, sitting out down at Vesuvio's drinking espressos, he was boxing. And he wrote this piece for the Chronicle not too long ago. Well, I mean, he died in 2004, so maybe in the 90s. And he was talking about fighting. And he was like saying, you know, look, fighting, fighting is, is lacks, lacks grace. It's not graceful. It's, it's animal. It's, well, animals are graceful. He said, but this is a human endeavor. It's, it's clumsy. It's sloppy. It's dirty. It's sweat, spit, and blood-fueled. And it doesn't look anything like it does in the movies. I know. I box. This is Tom, Tom Gunn talking. And, you know, even at this point now in my life, at this point in my life where I know bona fide, like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts or, or, or judo, uh, uh, Olympic judo guys who, who, who are black belts or, you know, uh, Silat guys who were doing this shit back in Indonesia, really top, top of the line type cats. Very few of them, when they do what they do, look anything like John Wick. It sounds stupid that I'm even saying this, but, but you got to know you've enjoyed those movies and I've enjoyed those movies. The James Bond movies, I just rewatched Quantum of Solace and then a Casino Royale. We enjoy just the basic thing that you know from MMA, from watching James Bond. I watched the scene in, in, in uh, 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 Quantum of Solace. <laughs> He's fighting for seven minutes straight on the balcony when he gets to Haiti. Then he, then he hijacks the guy's motorcycle and he runs off. He jumps in the woman's car, Olga, the act, actress, thing, jumps in her car and he's not breathing heavy. Seven minutes, and not just seven minutes of like MMA fighting, but seven minutes where somebody's actually really trying to murder you. And he jumps in the car and he's like, where are we going? Or something. I, you know, I sometimes feel stupid <laughs> for forgetting. But fortunately, you know, if you do martial arts, you have reminders, <laughs> frequent reminders. And they, and they all do all this talk. They'll show you in the, in the you know, the, 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 the lead up in these advertising, pl- like, uh, you know, Keanu Reeves stayed 16 hours a day to be able to, for the Matrix or for this or for that. And he's working with these guys. You know, those guys are fight coordinators. They coordinate fights. They might as well be choreographers. In fact, they are fight choreographers. So it's easy to understand how you get confused about the real and the fantasy, the fantasy and the real. And you watched that fight last night. I was the only one on Care Don't Care. You'll see me chortling about, you'll hear me chortling about it on Monday show. Monday at noon, they go live with Care Don't Care. I was the only one who picked Derek, uh, uh, the Black Beast, uh, Lewis. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yes, that was said about the Steve thing. Um, but, yeah, so I, I have to move the light to see the comments. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, somebody just deleted one of their comments, and I was going to actually comment on the comment, and you delete it. Now I can't see. Um, it was about it was it, it, it was about it was about movie fighting. So, but last night with uh, Derek the Black Beast Lewis against uh, uh, Curtis Blades, and I and I feel bad. I feel bad hating on Curtis Blades. I feel bad hating on him. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I felt bad. But then, you know, there's something about Curtis Blades that's been rubbing me the wrong way. And some of you hardcore heads, maybe Danny S is here. He can, uh, he can, he can help me. Uh, what is that song about? Uh, um, that minor threat song. Boy, I'm glad I'm not in your shoes. Um, you know, uh, uh, na, 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 na. I don't blame you when you bitch and moan because I'm sick and I'm tired of your whining, complaining, and bitching and moaning. Boo, fucking who? Now there are ways that you. It's 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 like I say on care, don't care. It's obvious that if you if you're not the squeaky wheel in in, in the oofsy, if you're not making, complaining, and and getting yourself, you're not. Then you 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 can comfortably be ignored. You can understand. It's hard to care about one person or two people, three people. They've got 375 people on the roster. It's hard to care about all those people. How are you going to follow all those people? How's that the other part? You can't. So you got to remind people that you're there, right? There's certain ways to do that. It's my time. It's my shot. You know, I go with the, with the Briggs thing. Let's go, champ. Instead of the rearward looking, look how badly you treated me before. Look at this. All you're giving all these guys love is I want to thank God by giving everybody so much and giving me so little. Look at how bad, look at how badly you've treated me. Look at how bad things suck for me. Look at how bad. And so Curtis Blades is doing, he's talking about what happened. And there's some people who can justifiably talk about what happened. Like I've said, I understand Germany being able to have a, a, a moral imperative going forward in the year 2021. You can't, you can't deny this to, to, a, to, a, to a country, to a people. At the same time, I completely defend the aggrieved party's right to complain about this until the end of fucking time. So I'm not taking away Curtis Blades' ability. You, if you've been treated shabbily, go, go ahead. But it's not going to get you reparations in, in, in the odd case when it does, it doesn't undo the damage. In the odd case when it does, it, when it's restorative, it doesn't bring back grandma and grandpa. And it doesn't take away your right to complain about it forever. It's just not a forward-looking strategy. And it seems self-defeating in a way that I'm more than familiar with. But people make mistakes. Our brains make the mistakes that people make. So this is why we don't like it. You know, I see him complaining about all the when and then and the and elements of me that have made, like I said uh, on the show today, I said, you know, I had this thing where somebody came to me and said they were working at Paramount. You can't Donna Shalala me on my own show. Right. Yes. Yeah, sob story. Thank you. Thank you. That's it. Sob story's name is on. So, 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 uh, this uh, 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 woman worked on uh, worked for Paramount for this ten woman. years at Paramount for ten years, right? And she says, "There you go. Last show last season." She said, "I got I got you a role on. I got I got you a role on it. It's a show, big show. You 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 got a Screen Actor Guild card. You're in. You're in." And I was like, "Cool." And it uh, and it only took it only took ten years. In actual fact, w- w- um. I think I started started out with something like, it's good to finally hear from you. And I hear a pause in her voice, and I realize in that moment, my use of the adverb finally ruined the show, ruined the gig for me. Never heard from her. Never heard from her again. This person was a family member. You see, notice I say was. I guess they still are a family member. 
I lay in wait for this person. Years later, she needed me for something. She had, she had our common connection call and say, hey, I need a favor. And I said, oh, yeah, you know what? Have her call me. She never called because she knew what that meant. Spend enough time in Hollywood to understand the Hollywood fade, the chimp chill out. You weren't going to get any help from me. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have used the adverb finally. But I did. So, yeah, no. <laughs> my, my fault. So I understand Curtis Blades and his rearward looking tendency, but I hate it. I hate it myself, and uh, I don't like to see it in others. So him whining about, and I knew he was making a mistake. I knew he was making a mistake. John and Steph at Care Don't Care picked, uh, uh, picked Blades, couldn't do it. I said, in the end, I'm going to feel happier if, if uh, 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 Lewis wins than I will be if, if Blades wins, even if I'm right. Because what will be cemented in Blades' mind is that the squeaky wheel, nobody says the pleasant sounding wheel gets to grease. They say the squeaky wheel. Nobody likes squeaking. So it will justify his action, his activities in a way that I don't think is healthy or good for anybody. You know, and so he does, he, he, all, they said they worked on it for months now, you know, just dealing with a wrestler and that shot. Level change shot, level change shot. And I thought, I thought he was getting a little, Lewis was getting a little pieced up that first round. But what Lewis figured out after he felt some of the powers is like he's got nothing. He, did, he knew he wasn't going to successfully con, con, convince him to stand with him and trade. He knew that the only thing that could dismast him would have been a shot. And he tried, and, and so he planned for the shot, shot, shot 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 and it didn't you know they were talking i mean with lewis it's easy you know it's easy to talk about the guy in in, in the coded language that means that the guy the guy's kind of a you know uh a kimbo slice guy you know big and tough but hey, you're not not skilled not no 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 he's been around long enough this is not luck that's this is you know man that guy keeps getting he's luck he's 20 times he's been lucky at 20 times luck yeah, 20 times. Yeah, I felt great after the fight. I felt really wonderful after the fight. I feel great now outside of how I'm being reamed by YouTube. So um, so he, all you got to do is plan for the guy, plan for the guy, plan for the guy. Everything else zeroes out. You're fine. I'm not, gonna, I'm not worried about getting knocked out by the guy. But I'm worried about being discombobulated by a shot. But, you know... He's talking about moving all 256 pounds of his lower. It's not like if you watch Henry Sejudo, if you watch uh, Henry Sejudo, Sejudo, and it could just be a smaller guy thing versus a larger guy thing, but he's got the, he's got the smaller guy thing where he kind of faints, does a stutter step, and then he's there. He's... I'm sorry. Could you guys do? Could you maybe go? Or I could go in another room or something. <laughs> uh -huh. So he does this like stutter, stutter step, and he's in. I mean, yeah, he's lower to the ground. I mean, a lot of small guy, big guy things. You know, Blades has got this whole body to move to move down. That he's got yeah, 256 pounds to move around. 
you know. Uh, um, but you know, it just it's it, it's. I mean, if that's all you're seeing, if that's all you're planning for, if that's all you got going, you know it's going to happen. You know it's going to happen. He planned months for that. Now watch it. I, I I wasn't as impressed with it until I went Zap Ruder. And you watch that shot in slow mo. Everybody's talking about oh three shots, three shots, and they'll get into the Herb Dean, the sexy and sophisticated Herb Dean, and about whether he let it go. There were four shots. Slow it down. There were four shots. There was a shot that put the lights out, and there was a second, like the magic bullet. There was a second mystery shot that got in there. Slow it down, and you look at watch, watch, uh, uh, watch Lewis when he when he comes up. It wasn't just this. It, it, I, I, I don't even know how it will. It was like probably like a perfect punch. It came up from his legs up through his his body and his torso and into his arm. And you look at his face when he delivers it. That's that's I'm I'm chopping a tree. It came up, and and not only that, Lewis is fast, but what, so he slumps into unconsciousness, and then he hits him with a second one, and dude is starched, and he hits him with two more, and he, he blames Herb Dean, and it's like, well, you don't have to blame Herb Dean. It was fast. You couldn't have got there much faster. And, you know, some guys get that flash knockout when they hit and it, it, it shocks them away. And then, I, you know, my bad lip reading technique, I, I think I saw, saw because I didn't hear it, I think I saw Blade say when they were trying to, when they finally could get him upright, what happened? If you've ever been there, if you've ever been there, like I did my first MMA match where you're knocked out, it's not even a joke. It's really weird. It's kind of cool and really weird. Like you have no idea where you've been for the last 90 seconds. All you know is that you feel amazingly refreshed and there are a lot of very helpful people around you asking you questions. How do you feel? I feel fine. What's the matter? What are you doing in here? No, no, you're not fine. You just got knocked out when? (laughs) Look at the jumbotron. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh, 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 and then it got even weirder, right, because you couldn't get dude up, so so Dean had to find Lewis somewhere on the corner of the cage where he's put his shirt on, and I, at this point now, you know, I think, uh, in addition to being an old fuck like I am, the major deterrent to fighting professional MMA would be that you had to take your shirt off. Not like in the old days where you could be Paul Polar Bear Varlins and coming with a singlet to hide the gut. Some of these guys in t-shirts, you got to hide the gut or coming with a gi and to hide the... Nah, man, you got to be shirtless. Oh, bro, that's a, that's a heavy call of duty right there. So he goes over the corner and puts his shirt on quickly. And so he, Herb Dean has to find him, raises his hand, and then they get him to the interview section. And the old brother, Where Far Art Thou, the movie, when they run into Babyface Nelson, and he's clearly like bipolar, and he's he's having a, after having the manic phase where he shot shot uh, 
machine gun the cops and blew up the car and he's just walking down the road going like, I don't even know why I do this, right? It's, it's a thing, man. I it's, and, and and Derek Lewis was like, he was like, act, this is this is the mark of an educable fighter because he was unhappy. He was a, as a, he was a, as unhappy with that first round performance of his as I was. I picked him. I knew I couldn't pick Blades because I want Blades to stop with the sobbing. But once he won, he was like, yeah, the guy gave me a hard time. That was a little bit too close. Based on what, you know, they were whole Dude will go back. Will go back. And now, do you understand what he, I mean, you expect him to be ecstatic, but he's not looking at what he just did. He's looking, he's looking at what he's going to do. And they've already, at this point now, spelled it out. Francis Ngannou against Stipe. Winner of that goes against Johnny Boney Joni. Uh, 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 Lewis gets whoever wins that fight. So the next serious fight in his future at this point in time is either going to be against, let's see, how does that break down? So Stipe against Francis Ngannou. One of those two will win. Let's just say, for the sake of shits and giggles, it's Ngannou. Ngannou then has to fight Johnny Boney Joni. Just for shits and giggles. Now, say Johnny Boney Joni beats Francis Ngannou. He has got to fight. He has got to fight Lewis. So the reality of it is, Lewis is, he was amazingly downbeat for a guy, but he's not thinking about yesterday. He's thinking about tomorrow, which I think is always a good orientation to have, and one that Blades hasn't been able to get himself around to. Thinking about some tomorrow that he was never going to get to, looking past Lewis and whining about the past. So, so the tomorrow... The tomorrow, and keep in mind how old uh, Lewis is at this point. You know, he's coming down. You know, this is where, this is it. This is like it. This is like, this is like, this is like, you are in that crucial go time when things could just be magical. And I don't get the sense if he doesn't get there that he's going to be like uh, an Achilles sulker like, uh, like uh, uh, Gustafson. Because Gustafson was forgetting about his place in space. He probably forgotten about where he was in time. It's easy to do. Lewis will not do this. He's got got a 50-50 chance. And he's got one thing and one thing that will happen. And that's it. Whoever... Let's do the math again. So he is fundamentally two fights away from fighting fighting the baddest man on the planet. He's paying attention to that. And he's got one chance. Based on his age, if he loses against, say, shits and giggles, Johnny Boney Joni, if he loses against him, well, you think he's going to stick around and bump around? Okay, blah, 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 boom. Facing forward doesn't work for me. 
uh, tell you what, I'm going to turn around, executive gatekeep the rest of this line until I'm ready to go again. There's no again. I'm not still trying to be Mr. Olympia. I'm not a prisoner of time. I'm a participant in time. It's a big difference. He might stick around. He's made enough money. I think he still lives down in the South. He doesn't need to work again. Family's happy. He's solid. Whatever. That chapter of my life, yeah, I get a few more knockouts. I'm the leader. I got some Hall of Fame stats. I'm cool. You have to act, and it all depends. It's all person dependent. It's all person dependent. I applied, I was involved with the Guggenheim Foundation three times. You have to have people who were past Guggenheim referees recommend you. I had them push my shit forward three times. And I didn't win the Guggenheim at all. I didn't put, I didn't bother them to get me in the MacArthur Genius Grant. I'm not Actually, this is actually uh, totally honest. Google and I. Out of the things that keep me up at night, that is not one of them. Mr. Olympia, that's not one of them. In fact, very little keeps me up at night about that stuff. This here, for those just listening on the radio, I'm pointing to my back. I'm concerned about the future stuff. I want to write, I want to finish writing my second novel. There's nothing stopping me outside the fact that uh, I'm spending all my time writing now for, for pay. And moreover, I haven't figured out how, yeah, I haven't figured out how to monetize the writing of a novel. I mean, you know, I made what I did. I think I made like 10 grand on a long, slow screw. Since 2007, when it came out, 2008. So, right. You know, I could probably write eight magazine articles and make that kind of money. But I'm glad to have the book out. I like it. I haven't reread it, but it seems to give people pleasure. They like it. A couple of film people in France want to make a movie out of it. That was kind of cool. That was kind of cool. I was happy about that. I'm a forward-looking kind of cat. So I start to think, yeah, when can I get things in the space where I can actually write it? More importantly, I need to get some, I need to get some actual real publishing people who are, I mean, publishing is 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 a work. You know, it's on the best-selling list. You don't know, if I tell you a record is platinum, that means something in terms of how many records it sold. Well, it used to mean something. I think a record's on, a book's on the best-selling list. All that means is it sold more than the other books. It could have sold 30 in that week, and all the other books sold five. They, de- they decoupled it from an actual number. Why? Because they wouldn't want to, you don't know how, how few people are actually buying books. Oh, it's a bestseller. It's a bestseller. That's good enough to get people in Hollywood to pay attention, to buy the rights, to make a movie about it, which people will actually see. So I'm all, I'm all for writing books for fun, but it seems like I'm close enough to being able to figure out how to actually get somebody to walk in and say, tell you what we're going to do. We'll give you 10 grand to write the book. 
I'm not greedy. I know people out there getting $100,000, but these are people like Sarah Palin. Because those books are guaranteed sales because dummies will buy those books. Whatever. We're not talking about the past. I'm talking about the future. So dude will go back to his gym and prepare for a certain type of future. You'll notice. You'll notice that he, his, his, his ground stuff has gotten better. And... Um, yeah, it's a little bit worse. The book is because people don't read. So, uh, but you'll notice he's gotten a little bit better. And the most significant portion of that first round was stuffing that shot. Because then that puts Blades in a position where he's got to deliver volume, right? He's got to, he's like, okay, yeah, that guy got one. But if I shoot three or four at him, eventually he's going to make a mistake and I'll get him down. Like Lewis said, I love these wrestlers. And what happens to Blades now? Oh, boy, guess what, bro? Welcome to the Phantom Toll Booth. What's, your, what's the number on your ticket say? <laughs> At this point now, if you're smart, you stop whining, complaining, take your spot on that bench, and the next time you see a leak in the ship, stick your finger in it. Okay, Nganu and 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 um, and uh, Stipe. Say for shits and giggles, Stipe wins again. Nganu's your meat because he doesn't. He's turning around. He's looking at the rest of the waiting room in the Phantom Tobo. He doesn't want to have to go sit in the back with the guy's got the number like with the seven digits in it. No, 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 no. no. He's looking for something a fast turnaround and something to stay relevant to keep his name in the mix. He needs you at that point. Don't whine about the past. Look forward to the future. You wait for the weakness to show itself. Whoever, if Stipe loses the fight against Ngannou, he's probably going to retire so you're safe. Turn your attention to Ngannou versus Johnny Boney Joni. Whoever loses that fight, pick up on that guy fast. Yeah, everybody forgets about Stipe. Stipe doesn't forget about Stipe, though. So, um, so uh, if 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 Blades doesn't make this adjustment and still acts like he's talking to people in the front of the line, you're making a big mistake because people will realize you're crazy and they'll just stop talking to you. That's it. They'll just stop talking to you. It's pretty simple. That's how. You, if you've ever seen me about to get into a scuffle with somebody who's. In, you know, had a little bit too much. There's a point where you realize, you know, you're trying to be nice, you're trying to talk, and then, you know, I always do what I call the grizzly, you know? Where, like, you know, you want the guy to leave you alone, you know, and you, he, he keeps yammering. And maybe he was funny at first, but he stopped being funny. And you kind of say, yeah, buddy, and you turn away, and, 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 and that's when you put your finger on the trigger. It's this, that turn away. Because what you come back with is like, I don't expect to see you still standing there, but if you are blast city, you're down. So Blades needs to look at the right place and do the right things and make the right steps. Nothing he has done heretofore in the past has indicated to me that he will do this. 
Yeah, Jones is out there. Jones is out there deadlifting. Uh, he's getting close to my all-time. He's getting close to my all-time uh, uh, best deadlift ever. Of course, I did it at a body weight of uh, I think 190, but I was getting close to 700 pounds. And uh, you know, he's he's not pushing his weight, but he's over 205. Good. You know, I did it when I was probably about. I did it twice. I did it uh, when I was 19, and then I did it again uh, in 1990. Of course, the first time I did it was without steroids. The second time was with. So the second time, and I was heavier. It should have been a lot heavier, but whatever. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Heavyweight scarcity is a deal. And, uh, you know, but he, I'm hoping he makes the right moves. I'm hoping he's got somebody to advise him. I'm hoping he starts looking around. Who else in this waiting room has got a number that's pretty high? And, and, and find weakness, stick your finger in it. But, but Lewis is in a very different position. Very different position. Lewis is in a position of, yeah, yeah, you know what? I'm okay. I'm okay. All this stuff in the back has been great. I, it's like me. I think, uh, yeah, I got the fight book. I got the long, slow screw. I got the records. I guess I got the, the horrible movies and the TV shows. I'm all right. I'm, you know, like the old blues song says, I have had my fun if I don't get well no more. Other fights on the card, who gives a crap? Who cares about the other fights on the card? That's all I got to say. Who cares? Caitlin Vieira disappointed me. Uh, she, you know, it's not enough. You, you know, this jujitsu thing. Yeah, okay, you got, you know, you get the head and arm thing, and you, you could clear the half guard and, and maybe really dig the head in and, and get the submission. Uh, or you could, I, I don't, there was a, is, is a kind of weird Brazilian passivity. Sometimes that, that that hits people, and she got it. It's not enough just to lay there on top. You got to start trying to convert that stuff to submission attempts, or or you know do like they do with this combat jujitsu or strike. Just think 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 about it as as a counter one, two, a three, a four. At the end of the fight, they look at these numbers, and she's shocked that she lost. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It seems to me, it seems to me that realistically speaking, that that was a loss. That was a well-deserved loss. Uh, Minner against, uh, against Rosa. Well, Rosa's a gict. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Minner, uh, were there other fights in the car? I didn't get in. I didn't get in until uh, Chavez and uh, and uh, I didn't. I didn't get in until until then. I, I didn't get in. So who knows? There were some other fights in the car. Who cares? We did a care. I don't care for the fights coming up. Strangely enough, uh, some one of you texted me and bet me that I would have two cares on next week's card. Yeah, uh, uh, Rosenstruck uh, and. Uh, Oh God! And um, uh, who? Uh, and uh, Cyril Gan. Uh, next week's fight card. I got six cares on it. I actually, uh, uh, I actually have six cares on it. Aspinall didn't look good. 
He didn't look good. Listen, let me tell you. Let me tell you. You know, first of all, I knew this fight would make me sad. And you're right. That's I'm remembering this fight now because I should just go by the performance bonuses. Uh, you know, uh, okay, he comes from Liverpool, which is near Wigan, which is where Billy Riley's snake pit was. Billy Robinson, Carl Gotch spent there. There's a grappling history in Liverpool. I, I did not expect him to, uh, you know, most Brits, you know, they have to work to get the grappling. I, I expected him to, to be good with the grappling. But, uh, you know, we're talking about, he says he's 41, about to be 42 in terms of Orlovsky. It's like, come on, come on. The guy's got this, it looks like the black hole of this, this a, a, a color black that doesn't exist in nature for the beard. He's, he's said, it's going to be child abuse out there. I'm beating somebody so young. He's 42. This other kid fighting the cat who's 28. Dude shouldn't be out there. He's a name from the past. Look, it's gotten to the point. I gotta, you got to tell the bald one. It's gotten to the point where if you remember any of the fights from what anybody would commonly com call his heyday, you're too fucking old. You're too old. You're too old. He shouldn't have It made me sad. I didn't pick the fight. I didn't want to care about it because I knew it would make me sad. I'm an old guy, but I don't need to see other old guys failing. So, yes, Aspinall looked good. He should have looked good. He should have looked good. What you you know? It's like I, I just realized something. Do you really you know? I don't know how old you all are collectively, but do you realize that a sizable percentage of people who winning gold medals in this year's Olympics won't even be twenty three years old? That blows my mind. It blows my mind. It was like, I, I don't know if you went through that with, with, with pornography. At a certain point, uh, somebody, uh, I, was, I think maybe it was even at Stanford. Somebody had a Playboy. My last year there, I was a boarder in a fraternity house. Not a member, just a boarder. I had a Playboy magazine, and I picked it up. And for the first time, there weren't women in Playboy magazine. There were girls who were younger than me. And that shit was, I, who have always been attracted to older women, found that slightly creepy. Stop reading Playboy. I jerk off to somebody who's 20 years younger than me. Ew. Of course, now that I'm almost 60, you got to embrace these things. <laughs> With a wife who's 21 years younger, you got to embrace these things. But you know what I'm saying. So Aspel looked good. He should have looked good. All your Nick needs to call it a day. Don't need to see a 43-year-old man. You know, the vertical Fred Edish. Don't need to see that. Stop it. I know you're making good bank. I know how many hip-hop records can you make. Nobody wants to hang out at the house, open a gym, start coaching people. Go to Pedro Hizaru or Mike Thomas Brown or anybody. It's the name of the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Something's not right about the paperwork. So anyway, so that's my thing. Next week, uh, Rosa Stroke and Gone. I, I had I, you can watch Care Don't Care tomorrow. I'm going to give you a little teaser. I have to say that I went back and forth and back and forth, and I, I thought Gone was kind of soft his last couple outings. Wasn't impressed. I saw holes, and again, like I talk about jujitsu uh, uh, passivity. I find anytime somebody's really good at a very specific discipline. When they get into the mixed, one thing I found when I was fighting mixed martial arts was that it was super fast. Like I remember somebody talking about going from college football 
to the NFL. And suddenly, you're talking about the best athletes around. The, it was super fast. The changes, everything was just coming at you like. So maybe and Phil Hawes was terribly disappointing. Again, another guy who's very good at specific discipline and just comes in and stinks up the joint. But in the end, I'm not going to, it's like, spoiler alert, if you got, if you care about care, don't care that way, it, just stop listening now. Stick your fingers in your ears. But in the end, I, I picked Gon. I still think that's a mistake, but I had to pick him. So anyway, that's the end of the show. This has been a fucking shit show with uh, the two editions. I don't know. June, I, I'm sorry. I'm having to do this to June. Maybe she can edit them together. I don't know. But I got, it came full circle. We got from the Goodfellas. You know, the Thomas Gunn murder and and real versus fantasy and and then the the reality of getting blasted if you were uh, uh, Curtis Blades, you know, everything that went into it from the from the foot to the knee to the body. Gagaloosh, that was that was something. So I think we I think we did it. Yeah. Oh, man, it was everything. And this ring light. One of yous, I don't know that he wants his name mentioned. Mr. JG said he would send a light that actually works with this thing versus this thing that keeps going out every 30 seconds. I would appreciate that. That would be really, really nice. These things are cheap, but clearly I got the wrong one. Now I got to go through the rigmarole and send this thing back. Let's see if by the time I get to say, look what you made me do, it, the thing is uh, is still on. I bet you it goes out. That's my underpoint. So anyway, go to Eugene S. Robinson. Dot, uh, 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 Eugene, Eugene S. Robinson uh slash substack.com i think that's it uh to look at the new newsletter sign up for it so i don't have to keep bugging you about it. you sign up it comes in your email you automatically read it i don't charge for it i'm not i've given up the ghost for that you want to pay for it fine i got five this is the fifth newsletter it's an interview with uh, steve albini i got some film people coming up next week you should listen monday at noon care don't care goes tuesday if the shoes fit uh and it's hip-hop evolution week so Kid Nate, frozen Kid Nate, eight inches of snow in front of his house in Austin, Texas. Bet he never thought he'd see that. That's on. Until then, until then, live until next week. Do not die. This is V153. We stuck through it. We got to the end. Thank God. Until then, <coughs> if you don't die between now and next week, we'll see you next Sunday. Until then, live what you made me do. Ah! <laughs> 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 <laughs>